two, one. We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, we have a big show today, a lot of news. Uh, a few, just a tiny few little news items from Tesla this week, a lot from other automakers because uh, it's kind of the EV earnings week for uh, Rivian, Polestar, Lucid, all the EV only automakers. So we're going to get into that. And of course, whenever there are earnings, there are all the news that comes out of that. So we're going to jump into that. Also, you have set, um, can finally release is uh, Volvo. Uh, what is it? EX, EX30. I'm yeah. having uh, some issues with the uh, Volvo's naming scheme. They are all <laughs> to all keeping your head at the same time. I'm still in Japan right now. It's still. Uh, it's 6 a.m. for me. I got a little bit confused with the time saving uh, not being applied in Japan. Uh, but uh, I'm up and early, ready to do the podcast, sort of. I'm trying to uh, to be as energetic as I can. And uh, But this is my last day in Japan. Next week, I'm going to be back in Montreal. Well, tomorrow I'm going to be back in Montreal. But for the podcast next week, I'm going to be ready to go um, back to uh, normal for me. Uh, I want to thank, before we start the show, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode. Uh, we're sponsored by VMAX. If you're looking for a high-quality e-scooter with superior performance, check out the new VX5, VX2 Pro, VX4, and the R40 and the R55 high-speed race scooters from VMAX. That's a lot of scooters for this little plug, but we're going to have more to say about, about those scooters later on on the show, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but let's jump right into the news now. I'm going to start out with uh, a little spec leak for the Cybertruck. So we've been trying to get as much information as we can about the Cybertruck. It is the biggest EV to launch this year uh, by a wide margin. And we don't have that much information for the production version, which is surprising, but not for Tesla. Exactly. That's how they generally like to do things with new vehicle launches. Uh, and this week, what we got is a, is a leak coming from uh, TFLV, uh, TFL EVs. Uh, well, the TFL is a, is a truck channel, really, and yeah, it's their EV version, their EV version of their channel, I think. And uh, they have a leak that is uh, somewhat credible uh, because they do have some pictures, uh, some new pictures, and uh, they claim to, well, the, the the core of the leak is from a supposed Tesla insider. Uh, so normally we have we're still a little skeptical about that, obviously, but they do it did come with pictures, so that gives the leak some credibility, and also the information is sort of uh, in line with, with with our expectations, so that helps too. Uh, so mainly it's uh, it's all the dimensions of the truck, really. Uh, so we have the overall length of the truck now that's uh, coming in at eighteen point six feet, uh, overall width without mirrors of uh, right short of eighty inches. Uh, 143 inch wheelbase. Uh, they got the exact curb rate, which we got last week. We got pretty close to it uh, with some information that came out. But uh, now we have the supposedly the actual one with two versions of the truck, the dual motor version coming in at 6,670 pounds, uh, the, the three, uh, three motor version coming at 6,890 pounds. So you have only like a 220 pound difference for the three motors uh, that should pretty much give you the weight of the motor that uh, that Tesla is using because I don't think you can fit a battery capacity difference in that weight on top of another motor. Yeah, some motors, some inverters, maybe you know some big wires, but 
yeah, mostly motor. Yeah, power electronics difference, maybe. Um, tow rating in 11,000 pounds. That's uh, what Tesla has originally announced. So no surprise there. Max Tong. What's what's that even mean? Max Tong. <laughs> Did that again? It's, to- it's supposed to be it's supposed to be torque. But, okay, uh, that makes like... a ton more sense. So a little typo <laughs> on our side here. Apologies. <laughs> oh, the the bed. That's probably one of the the dimensions that people are most interested in when buying a pickup truck is the bed length. So that's coming at seventy two point eight inches. Uh, so that's just over six feet, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, yep. Uh, and then a width of 51. So if width of 51, that's probably the, the figure that I would like to compare with other pickup trucks because that's uh, that were that was our concern for the for the width uh, based on the pictures that we saw of the Cybertruck's bed. Front volume okay. of seven. Say that again, Seth? Oh, yeah. So the, the bed width is a little bit smaller, actually significantly smaller than <clears throat> Silverado or F-150. And that's because... Um, you know, Tesla has kind of buried the wheel wells. Like yeah. They, so, um, you know, if you're talking about between the wheel wells, uh, it's a similar width to Ford or, or Chevy, but uh, because, you know, the Fords and Chevys have uh, a, like space around the wheel wells, um, this is a lot more narrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be an issue for some people based on their use cases of the, of the Cybertruck. Uh, but you have other options now in the... EV pickup space. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, well, I mean, you have the front volume, 7.1. Uh, we, we've seen the front recently. We had a report on that last week, a good look inside. Um, weight capacity of the front, 420 pounds. That's how we knew it was real. <laughs> yeah, Tesla loved the 420. Uh, headroom, 41.6 in the front, 39 in the rear. Legroom, 41 in the front, basically 41 in the rear too. Shoulder room. It's uh, not one that we usually use. Yeah, no, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff here. Yeah, no outlets in the front, one outlet in the rear, 110 volt twice and 221. Okay, that's that's the bed here, I think. Uh, so that was the picture. Yeah, that, that that's the image we got, yeah. yeah. I think that's important because, you know, especially the 240, if you're going to do, uh, you know, back up your house type of stuff or, or you know, run tool, I don't, you know, I don't know. If construction workers are really going to use this, but um, theoretically, you could run a, a you know <clears throat> a tool tool shop kind of uh, look, you know on on site. Yeah, some of the more picture. high power power tools, even like uh, like so, so some some like uh, bench saws or uh, I mean even a welder, I guess. No. Yeah, and you know the other thing it is more of a gimmick, but you know Ford does it, so you could also charge another vehicle with that. Yeah, technically, yeah. So yeah, uh, on Electric, you have all of the charts that we posted with this leak of uh, comparing the all these dimensions that we just discussed to the other big um, pickup truck EV pickup truck, and also just the, the all the top sellers in the in the ICE pickup truck market. Also, uh, we should note the uh, the width at seventy nine point nine is just under the uh, eighty inch. Uh, max width where you have to put those like three lights uh, on the, the front and back of the truck. Uh, so obviously Tesla wanted to keep it under 80 inches. Yeah, yeah 79.9. All right. We got some new information coming from um, a reported meeting that Elon Musk had at Gigafactory Berlin with the employees. So earlier this week, he went to Germany and visited the factory at some uh, 
some word for the for the workers there um it's uh it comes amid some uh, some union pushes for Tesla. Obviously, uh, there's uh, there's all the deals that have been made with the UAW in the US. Uh, there's been talk. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later about uh, what's going to happen next with the, those big victories for UAW. What it could mean for Tesla and other automakers in the US that are are not unionized. Tesla is also not Tesla workers are not unionized in Berlin. Also at Gigafactory Berlin, even though. Uh, unions are extremely strong in the auto industry in Germany, and now in Europe, uh, there's there's been a push uh, to unionize Tesla a bit. We talked about uh, IG Metal organizing some things at Gigafactory Berlin. Some employees apparently have some concerns. Uh, there was some kind of uh, showing with a thousand employees or so a few weeks ago. Now uh, there's the a union strike in uh, Sweden. Uh, with service employees, so that's a bit different than the, different than the manufacturing side of things, and also that's kind of a, I mean, a, a broader uh, union strike with port workers that Tesla is kind of trying to get around, which is obviously upsetting the the wider union base. Uh, uh, so all these things happening at the same time. Elon shows up at Gigafactory Berlin amid a, a pay raise for the for the workers there. So that timing is pretty good, even though they clearly stated officially that it has nothing to do with the unionization effort. But the, the most interesting thing that came out of uh, Elon's visit, based on uh, a report from Routers about, uh, about the meeting, is that he said that Gigafactory Berlin will get the uh, production of the next-gen vehicle. So that's very interesting because... Tesla has been very quiet about the vehicle programs that they're going to introduce at Gigafactory Berlin. Currently, it only produces the Model Y. Um, we thought maybe Tesla would introduce a Model 3 uh, after the Model Y was ramped up the factory, which has been like quite a few months now since they reached uh, 5,000 units a week, which generally is what Tesla considers volume production. Uh, so during those months, we didn't have any information about what's happening next to the factory. Um, we thought maybe Model 3, maybe like Cybertruck was always um, unlikely just because uh, the European market is not that hungry for pickup trucks. But now Elon apparently announced that uh, the Unbox production system, so which is going to power the next generation vehicle for Tesla, namely the, the $25,000 Tesla that we're calling, the cheaper Tesla vehicle. Uh, we don't have a better name for it just yet. And the, By the way... Uh... On on that cheaper vehicle, uh, Ron Barron went on CNBC this morning and called it the. I mean, not that he knows or doesn't know, but I feel like he knows more than most people. He probably has more conversations with Elon. He called it the Model Two. Yeah, I mean, I, you're probably right. He does have some conversation with Elon. He does know a decent amount. I don't know. I don't even know if Tesla knows the name of, of it. <laughs> yeah, though. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and and it it does just sound better calling it the Model Two than the twenty five thousand dollar Tesla, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so and the other one is the the Robo Taxi, obviously. So Elon apparently told uh, the crowd there uh, that uh, uh, these uh, these vehicles are going to be produced at the factory, which is also makes sense amid the unionization effort because adding new vehicle programs to a factory does uh, create some sense of uh, security for, for, for the workers that uh, they plan to utilize the, the, the factory long term, which was never that big of a concern for Gigafactory Berlin, obviously. But uh, still, we we're starting to think it was kind of weird that uh, Tesla was not announcing a new vehicle program there. 
and also amid uh, what's happening in Gigafactory Mexico with the delays there and, and Tesla showing some uh, uncertainty in, in investing in, in new production capacity outside of uh, existing plant right now. All right, that was an interesting new one here. We we, we got an answer on a, on a question that we had for a little bit since uh, Elon announced that he's uh, building a, a new uh, a new AI company, XAI. Uh, we we had some concern about what it means for Tesla, which is also in the AI space, and and Elon uh, alleging that uh, Tesla has the best AI team in the world, and Tesla is going to contribute to uh, general artificial intelligence development. And then as he says that, he's like, oh, also I'm building a completely separate company to do those same things. So uh, very weird. But um, he did say at the same time when he launched XAI that the new company will work closely with Tesla. Didn't elaborate exactly how. Now we have that answer uh, as the uh, new XAI launched their first product or uh, like a soft launch kind of a product, early beta Um type of thing so the first project for xai is a chat box um chat bot sorry it's called grok ai i don't know i've only seen it written i don't ever heard anyone pronounce it you think that grok is correct grok is correct yes grok grok ai so as per xai's description grok ai is a mod is an is an ai model after the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so intended to answer almost anything and for harder, even suggest far harder, even suggest what question to ask. Grok is designed to answer a question with a bit of wit and as a rebellious streak. So please don't uh, don't use it if you hate humor. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, think chat DP, GPT with a bit of a hedge, basically. Um, a little bit more up to date. Um, obviously, it has the advantage of uh, being fed uh, all the data from the from X from Twitter uh, to uh, to build a model. But uh, how does this relate to Tesla? You ask. Um, so one of the early beta tester, Brian. Oh, I'm gonna destroy his last name here. But Brian Romanelli, Romanelli, any? I don't know. Um, reported some information that uh, uh, Grok, based on, I think he has access to, to, to the code or something, uh, that uh, a smaller quantized version of Grok will run native in Tesla vehicle using the local compute power. And uh, Elon liked this uh, his comment when he, when he uh, reported that on Twitter and then added, provided our, ve- our vehicle AI computer is able to run the model, Tesla will probably have the most amount of true usable interference compute on earth even in a robo taxi future meaning when the computer gets even more use uh, the cars will only be used for one third of uh, hours one third of hours per week leaving two thirds for distributed inference like uh, SCTI which I I don't know how that like SCTI is like uh, if I understand correctly it's like uh, extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial search I think yeah, there was a SETI at home project where you would use that, at, you know, like a screensaver where you would use your that computer's downtime to help it find uh, extraterrestrial okay. you know, signals in the sky. So they're they're saying that uh, when your computers, or sorry, when your your car is uh, not being used, they're you know Tesla's going to fire that thing up and uh, you know <laughs> use some compute cycles to. Look for alien. AI stuff. <laughs> N- maybe. I don't know. But, you know, help them with their 
their uh, AI stuff. Yeah, but the comment sounds the, like the comment was directly in response to that comment about Tesla, the Tesla vehicle using Grok. Uh, right. So, so I think he's basically confirming that and adding the concept that uh, the compute power inside Tesla vehicle is going to be underused, even with the um, a robo taxi service. I guess. Because uh, like one third of hours per week is still a ton more than uh, what cars are being used right now. So he, he's referencing. So like the, the hours are going to obviously increase as a your car, if your car becomes a robot taxi. But uh, still plenty of, uh, of time and therefore compute power uh, to be used. So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. Obviously, Tesla has been increasingly using like voice command, for example, inside the car. Um, Elon famously said, any input is an error. He wants the car to basically anticipate your needs. Uh, he's talked about things like you, you get into the car and uh, the car knows where you want to go to drive based on your schedule and then go, drives directly there. So it makes sense to have some kind of AI assistant uh, be part of that and, and help into that process. Um I mean, we've seen other car makers adapting, uh, integrating things like uh, Alexa inside their vehicle. Um, I assume the the, the 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 automakers that have the Android native now, the, the Android Auto native, have Google right. Assistant. Uh, yeah. 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 So. Yeah, there's. They, I mean, Google does a fantastic uh, voice recognition, and yeah, and and. Uh, but, you know, as far as Tesla's concerned, uh, you know, I, I still have problems with my windshield wipers, AI, figuring out when it's raining. So I'm going to need to see some more evidence of this, I think. Oh, yeah. This is completely unproven here. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I love I love X now. I mean, as soon as he posted that, like the, the Grok AI thing, like assuming like no one was able to use it yet other than a few early beta tester and like you automatically had a thousand comments on, under his post that was like, Grok AI will be the best AI ever, will destroy uh, chat GPT and all that. So, and he sees that, Elon. He, he loves that stuff. He starts liking those comments. It's like, of course. You, you, but everyone comments on that based on zero information whatsoever. And um, Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, Twitter's got some really good real-time stuff. Like, yeah. That's going to be a fantastic... But it also has a lot of really bad stuff. So how does, you know, like how does you filter that uh, out? How does it filter it out? And then, like, you know, is Elon or is Twitter going to use, um, you know, the paid for as a signal of, you know, being reputable, uh, which seems like a really bad idea because a lot of the paid for accounts are also like, you know, the super racist ones or or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how this all goes down i mean if nothing else it'll be entertaining certainly will as is most often the case with elon stuff uh, yeah all right uh yeah we talked already a little bit about the uh the strike um, in sweden uh so tesla officially commented this week after uh it first started uh, late last week um tesla's response via uh TT, Swedish National Wire Service, said it is unfortunate that IF Metal, the um, 
the union in question, has taken these measures. Tesla follows Swedish labor market regulation, but like many other companies, has chosen not to enter into a collective agreement. We already offer equivalent or better agreement than those covered by collective bargaining and find no reason to sign any other agreement. So this is in line with pretty much Tesla's um, overall policies with unions. They do believe that they offer better conditions than uh, uh, than union workers are uh, going for <laughs> in 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 adjacent industries in some cases because IF Metal right now it's not doesn't cover specifically what Tesla is doing in 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 Sweden because in Sweden there's no there's no manufacturing work uh, being done it's it's service. Um, so I, I get the point to a degree in, in Sweden here, but in other markets where Tesla is producing, uh, it's, it's a bit different. Like you can compare those jobs a little bit more directly. Yeah, I mean, Tesla always says like, hey, uh, we may not pay as much as everybody else, but we give you stock options. And mm-hmm. our stock options, you know, until recently uh, have always been going, you know, up, up, up. Um, and you know, I, I mentioned the Ron Barron interview uh, we saw earlier. Um, he kind of made the, that case. He, he said, "Like, hey, we're going to make five million uh, Model Twos uh, by 2025. Uh, we're going to sell five million of those. The stock is going to be at four billion, uh, which I think is maybe a little bit wish for four trillion. You mean, right? Four trillion. Sorry, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, you're going to have the richest uh, auto workers in the world uh, working at Tesla. So, yeah." Uh, that's that's one way to look at it. I think, you know, if you were being a really fair person, you could give them both. You could say, hey, uh, why not? I don't, I don't I don't I don't see that. Like, why is like one or the other? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, like there's no like law saying you can't do it. Like, mm-hmm. I think he I think he just doesn't want to be unionized. So he's that's the one carrot that he has, I guess. Yeah, because I, I and I think he, he was uh, officially reprimanded by uh, the regulators in in the U.S. when he said that because, yeah, they, like you said, there's no laws preventing you from giving stock options to unionized employees. The the a unionized employee only the only difference is that they collectively put their effort together to negotiate with with the automakers rather than do it one by one. <laughs> It's right. the only official difference. There's no that. There's no on the contrary. Like that bargain, like that's a bargaining could include stock option. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say I do like the idea of like workers sharing in the success of the company. Yeah, like, I feel like that shouldn't be that should be part of the union negotiations with with Tesla saying, hey, uh, you know, if you if your stock goes up, then you know, pay us more. Or if you meet all these goals and and you bring in a lot of money, you share some of that with the workers. Yeah, I don't, I, in fact, I don't know why that's just not like the status quo of, of union shops anyway. Yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, so Biden, still on the same uh, vein here, Biden uh, chimed in uh, following all the success of the UAW with the big three automakers. He uh I don't know if I have an actual quote here from uh, the president. Uh, okay, I don't have the actual quote, but he basically gave his support. He, he went and met with Fain, the, the, the president of uh, 
UAW and uh, gave his support to to push for a broader unionization of the auto industry in the U.S. Uh, so that Tesla and Toyota were specifically mentioned because obviously they're they are two of the biggest non-unionized automakers producing vehicles in the U.S. right now. Um, and those comments follow Fain's comments from last week where he said that uh, the next time they go to the table for negotiating, uh, he believed they won't be negotiating with just with the big three, but he said the big the big five or six, I think he said something like that, which uh, implies a union push to other automakers. And, and UAW, even though it was a big win for them um, the last few weeks with those deals with GM, uh, Chrysler's, and, uh, and Ford, their numbers have still been dwindling for 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 decades right now, so they they are not in a great position either. Uh, obviously, that also comes with a lot of it's it's not just because of them themselves, the, the the union itself, but the automakers have uh, diversified their portfolio really and and, and uh, gave a lot of jobs to suppliers and uh, instead of uh, having bigger factories, so that. Uh, that also contributed. And, but on the other side, Tesla is doing the contrary to that. And uh, they have vertically integrated and their factories are extremely dense with employees. Uh, so if they can get into uh, one of the big Tesla factories in the U.S., just that alone would be like a, a big boost in the numbers. Yep. All right. Should we do the read right now or you want to jump into the Volvo EX30? No, let's, let's read it. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about our sponsor, right. VMAX. VMAX. All right, today's episode is sponsored by VMAX Mobility Inc., one of Europe's leading e-scooter brands. The brand was founded in uh, 2015 and is headquartered in Switzerland. After eight years of growth in Europe, VMAX e-scooters are now available in North America. VMAX UL certified e-scooters offer exceptional performance and reliability with a motor, battery, controller, and frame that are all built to last for years. The brand's high-quality components are all made in VMAX's ISO-certified facility for maximum control over safety and design. On the company's latest models, you'll find integrated turn signals, ultra-bright front lights, responsive brake lights, tubeless tires with superior tire tread, an anti-slip deck, and built-in suspension. You'll also find a powerful motor, high torque, instant responsiveness, advanced electronics, and regenerative braking for unmatched performance. VMAX offers an industry-leading 24-month warranty, and with nationwide repair shops and local U.S. warehouse for parts, servicing is easy. Check out the latest VX5, VX2 Pro, VX4 models, and stay tuned for the exciting new VX3. If you're a speed enthusiast, don't miss the company's R440 and R55 high-speed race scooters. Visit vmax-escooter.us and use the promo code VMAXELECTREC for exclusive offers for a limited time. Thanks again to VMAX for sponsoring. I can't wait to take a look at these things. Um, they look pretty cool. And, uh, you know, race scooters are always so- something that it, it intrigues me. Yeah, this one looks insane. Uh, 34 miles per hour and uh, 40 mile range. I mean, I'm Wear always a little bit concerned gear. about going that fast on a scooter. But uh, this one looks pretty solid. It was just looking at the suspension arm here and everything. It's Yeah. This is a, like a soft ride. Yeah, this is a full-scale vehicle. It's a scooter. It's crazy. All right. Thank you, uh, VMAX, for sponsoring this week's episode of the Electric Podcast. All right. So a few weeks ago, uh, you were able to get a first drive in uh, Volvo's new uh, 
entry-level uh, fully electric vehicle, the EX30. What did you think? Yeah, so, you know, you know, I'm a huge Chevy Bolt fan. So this is basically the same size as Chevy Bolt, a little bit longer than the... Uh, the uh, the base model Bolt EV and a little bit shorter than the the EUV, so kind of like right in that sweet spot in between. Um, I've had a Volvo before, long you know, a long time ago before uh, EVs made sense. Um, so I, I know the brand pretty well. I think they really hit it out of the park with this vehicle. Um, it's it's super fast. Uh, it's very responsive. It drives really well. Um, you know, obviously it's the fastest. It's the fast. It's the quickest zero to 60 car that Volvo's ever made. And it's also their cheapest car. So it's, it's kind of a weird uh, combination of things. They also call it an SUV. Some people will call it a hatchback, um, but whatever it's, it is did, what it is. You do that now when they do like a, a smaller car that just is shaped like an SUV, but right. Um, they kind of do that shape. So yeah. So, so now the SUV means like the shape of an SUV and not the actual utility of it, but <laughs> Yeah, Whatever. I mean, it's got it's got some good trunk space. You can put the, the mm -hmm. seats down and and store stuff. The interior is amazing. It looks um, awesome. Really, it looks great. Yeah, they really did some like you know deep thinking about that. They took the speakers out of the door. Um, they put the glove box in the center. They instead of having speakers in the doors, they have like a um, what's that called a a, a speaker bar, um, like Sound you bar. would have for your TV. But yeah, it's it's in the front of the car. Sound, the sound system's really great. Um, so this is, is this are, almost like, okay. sorry, is this almost like a, a table on the dash here? Like, uh, I mean, you can shell? put stuff on it. Yeah. Like, uh, it's it's a little bit like that. I don't know if things would stick to it too well. Maybe yeah. you need some Velcro. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of flat for the passenger. It's uh, it's nice. You know, there there are a few downsides. Uh, one is that the that center display um, wasn't terribly bright. Um, so or or big so like you know reading some of the smaller like google Maps stuff on it for instance was a little bit trying you know obviously i have uh, reading glasses so uh, your mileage will vary uh, depending yeah. on how good your eyes are it uh, looks it, it almost google. looks like it's a tablet like you can just pick up and, and leave with it <laughs> it does it does we we tried it's pretty <laughs> firmly in there though um but yeah it does run google uh google's android for cars OS, it, it's very similar to the Polestar um, OS and, and other Volvos we've tried that run run that uh, same OS. Um, it So the specs wise, it's got 150 kilowatt charging. It'll go from 10 to 80% in 26 minutes, which actually is not, not that bad if you think about the 150 kilowatt charging. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, uh, it's actually like... Uh, you know, a smaller battery, 69 kilowatt battery, kilowatt hour battery. So um, that 150 kilowatts is filling up a smaller battery uh, quite quickly. So it's a pretty good uh, setup. You can see there if you're watching, uh, be charging it at a local charging station there. Um, I do like the wheels on it. Um, they're a little bit bigger than, uh, you know, obviously the Chevy Bolt. Um, that made going off road uh, pretty easy and pretty fun. Um, you know, it, it, this car does pretty much everything. My concern, my big concerns, you know, there's some little stuff, but my big concerns are this is made in China. You know, if we have some sort of political BS with China, you know, in the next couple of years, is this going to be something that's, you know, put on the table? Um, 
we're, we charge them a 27% import duty, but I, I'm, I think that Volvo gets around this somehow because a lot of their cars are built in the U S or something. Um, the, the, the executives would be, were super cagey about that. I was like, well, are, yeah. you, are you paying the 27%? And they're like, nah, kind of. And I was like, well, you know, yes or <clears throat> yes or no. And they're like, well, it's, it's more complicated than that. We build cars in the U S and in Europe. And, and so it doesn't necessarily, you know, equate that one-to-one. And I was like, well, why don't you just build them in the U S and they're like, well, we're going to have an announcement, you know, and the announcement actually was that they're going to build them in Ghent in Belgium. Um, and they're looking at, uh, the, the U S market, their CEO, um, Rowan something, um, the day of the, so, you know, if, if you want to know if a car is prioritized for the U S market, look at when the, uh, the, the global, um, uh, press release or, you know, the, when, when the embargo's up and for us, it was 3 AM. So uh-huh. obviously we were not, we were not the target market yeah. for this thing. Uh, but, you know, in that period between 3 a.m. and uh, 6 a.m. when I woke up, their CEO was like, oh, yeah, we're thinking about building a, a U.S. assembly line for cars like this. I was like, oh, great. That's, you know, a lot. A big part of my take was like, hey, you need to build one in the U.S. So hopefully they do that. Um, obviously, uh, Volvo flew us out to uh, Barcelona, put us up. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, I don't know if that influences my uh, views on the car at all. Uh, but it was, it was sure nice. Um, but I, you know, I've loved this car before, before any of that. And, uh, I think it's going to be a big hit. I think Google, or sorry, I think Volvo has no idea how popular this is going to be. They're like, oh, we'll think, you know, we'll see how it goes. There's no other car, anything like it with the bolt, you know, disappearing. Uh, this car could just, you know, it feels like it could sell unlimited amounts. I mean, it's so yeah. fast, so inexpensive. So, you know, so it feels so like luxury. And it's so inexpensive at thirty five thousand, um, and of course you can lease it and get some of that seventy five hundred back. So that's going to be a much lower priced lease, um, and people will do those one day leases where you you know you buy it out day one and you can get the seventy five hundred or or tricks like that. Yeah. So a lot of options there, um, and you know it's coming to the U.S. first quarter next year. Yeah, I mean. Volvo didn't fly me to Barcelona and and wine and dine me, so I can tell you the truth about this. And uh, I'm kidding. I mean, I completely agree with you. And my only concern is like, like you said, on unless they do build it in the U.S. or whenever they do build it in the U.S., then maybe I think it will take off for now. Like they have all the ingredient for it to be a big success. It's just that I don't think they're gonna come in with the volume until that happens. Just That's because. Right because of the game they have to play with the volume of vehicles they are producing in the U S versus what they're importing from China. They, they, they cannot like, they could sell a hundred thousand of them in the U S pretty easily. Uh, mm-hmm. But that probably would trigger uh, those uh, import duties. Uh, so, so I don't, I don't see that happening. I see probably a trickle of those in the U S market until uh, they get imported with, from Europe which would avoid that import duty, but would, again, prevent the federal tax credit unless, like you said, you do a leasing, uh, you do the lease loophole. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's as all the ingredient for being um, an home run for Volvo. But uh, at the end of the day, you need to have the volume allocation to your dealers. And for now, I just don't see that happening for the EX30. But 
Yeah, I mean, ironically, uh, since there's no import duty to Europe, they would import the the ones from China to Europe, and then they would import the ones from Europe to the U.S., uh, which makes mm-hmm. no sense at all. But yeah. you know, that that's probably financially the best way to do it. Yeah. But I but that's a great point you brought up about like trickling numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this thing is not just popular in the U.S. or not going to be popular in the U.S. It's going to be popular everywhere, and yeah. Europe's going to want as many of these as they can get, and since they don't have to pay an import duty on the, the ones in Europe and they're going to build them in Europe, they're probably going to put most of them in Europe. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, yeah. We're talking more about the U S market here, but obviously a lot of other markets are going to be hungry for this and mm-hmm. there's a chance for, to for them to have the volume. All right. We have a few more news items we want to discuss, and then we're going to be able to jump into the comment section. So if you guys have any questions for us, you can put it in the comments. If you're watching live on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, or YouTube, uh, we're going to have a few minutes at the end of the show. It can be about uh, whatever we discussed today, or it can be another subject in the EV space that you want our take on. Uh, we'll get into that in a few minutes. So we'll, we'll go to those uh, news items a little bit faster here. Uh, Mercedes announced a deal with Bucky's. You know, guys, I'm a big fan of Bucky's. Uh, they, they do have uh, chargers already. They have a deal with Tesla. They have a few Tesla superchargers around Bucky's. In Alabama and in, uh, in Texas, and uh, now Mercedes, Mercedes Benz, which uh, we've been very excited about uh, lately because they are one of the few automakers that are going to have their own dedicated uh, fast charging network branded a Mercedes. So it's not like a, a conglomeration of few automakers put together. It's more like a Tesla supercharger situation, which we have been pushing autom- other automakers to do for a while. Um, they announced that um, earlier this year, I think. Uh, um, but uh, now the uh, they need they need places to build those charging station, and Bucky's is going to be one of those spaces. They uh, they announced a deal that the company will start with about thirty of them by the end of twenty twenty four. I don't know how many Bucky's there are out there. They're not that many, actually. I think I would think. Well, they're just so big. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need that many. You need, you need one no. Bucky covers a a big one area. per state. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, good deal with Bucky's. Uh, so you get some nice clean bathrooms uh, for your charging brakes, some uh, some good uh, beef jerky and uh, and pulled pork sandwiches, and and then you're back on the road. All right, so uh, Polestar L, the, it's Polestar Day. Uh, so there was another news coming out of that, uh, but the biggest one is a new factory coming in Korea for Polestar. Interesting choice. So uh, the, uh, the, they're going to get into the Hyundai Kia backyard and build some electric vehicles out there, specifically the Polestar 4, uh, which we've been excited about. Uh, look great. Uh, Polestar 2, Polestar 4 are, are the, two, the two next vehicles from the, the Swedish slash Chinese brand. Uh, they also announced a vehicle to grid capacity to work. <laughs> Sorry to work with uh, virtual power plants. So we talked a lot about virtual power plant with Tesla, what they're doing with the power wall. Um, but Tesla is not big on vehicle to grid, vehicle to home, vehicle to everything. Uh, even it, it is coming, but it, right now it's not the case. Uh, Polestar has, uh, has indicated that they want to do that. And uh, now they're going to combine it with a vehicle to, to uh, a virtual power plant effort. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting project. They're going to have uh, a trial in California and in Sweden. 
finally, they have uh, they also announced uh, a new uh, trial to put some of the store dot. They call it the 350 uh, DC capable batteries in the Polestar 5 prototype. So they're going to be one of the first automaker to adopt this uh, this technology from Stardot, Star which, uh, if I remember correctly, is a Israeli company. Uh, but yeah, they, they've been making a lot of announcement, and uh, I I'm a bit skeptical about uh, Stardot. Like the, a lot of their announcement, they're not there's not a lot of details about their battery technology, and uh, they, they say things like, "Oh, we are unable like uh, charging of 500 miles in 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 five minutes and things like that." And it's like, well, what does that mean at the battery cell level? You guys are making battery cells, like, what, how can you charge miles per minute in battery cell? Like it's it's a lot more complicated than that. There's a lot more bottlenecks into charging an EV than just the cell capacity. So I'm a little bit skeptical, but I like Polestar. So if Polestar is uh, is getting into it, it does give uh, the brand a little bit of uh, credibility. So we'll give them that. Uh, maybe uh, we'll, we'll follow Stardot a little bit closer now that uh, yeah, the, that's the case. Uh, they have their, their latest prototypes at the battery day. You can check uh, Jamie's news hub for some sweet little pictures so that uh that polestar news day was uh coming at the same time as the earnings of polestar came out and that uh <laughs> kind of felt like uh they were trying to bury the bury the lead a little bit uh because uh, they didn't have the best quarter uh i didn't check all the details here i'm gonna learn them at the same time as you guys but i think the big headline is that the uh they reduced their production uh, goal for the the year, so there's uh, there's only one quarter left, and uh, they now know pretty firmly that they are not going to make the original production goal, which was uh, eighty thousand units. Now it's going to be between sixty and seventy thousand units, so it's a big, big slowdown, but still still a decent amount of delivery for what is uh, a fairly new player in the game. A fairly new, well, I mean, Polestar brand has been around for for a bit, but as a relaunch all electric brand it's it's very recent so it's not it's not a bad number uh but in terms of financials uh what uh, they came out is um let me see here uh revenue of uh, 367 million dollars up 25 percent in q3 which not too surprising considering the, the ramp up in deliveries uh the increased cost led to a gross profit slipping 62 percent to 36.3 million but uh, still a positive gross margin, which is uh, uh, uncommon for EV startups. Higher expenses in the quarter led to an operating loss of $261 million. So they are losing about a quarter of a billion dollars a quarter. Uh, so not exactly the best, but they're still sitting on some good cash, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they are just short of a billion dollar cash. So a few quarters of run rate going, most likely going to need to raise money within the next year, uh, unless they have a big turnaround. But uh, that has been like the the case for 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 most EV startup uh, right now. As you're going to see, because we're going to discuss real quick, uh, Lucid. Um, Ouch. Yeah, Lucid a little bit a little bit harder to talk about. They they have been the of all the EV startups, they have been the one having a, a, a toughest time financially, even though they have big money backers in Saudi Arabia. Um, 
they are bleeding cash badly right now. So same story. They are cutting their production targets uh, from, um, uh, what was the production target originally? Uh, 10. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, so, so, yeah. The original target for the year was 14. It was already cut earlier this year to 10. And now it's been cut to between 8,000 and uh, 8,500. So another big reduction. Obviously, Lucid is in this kind of situation now where they're, they, they only have the air sedan. And the sedan market, especially at the higher end right now, is not very healthy at this point. And they are mainly saying and selling in the U.S. They, well, they recently expanded in Europe and, and, and Saudi Arabia too. Uh, but uh, obviously, those are not big volumes. The footprint is in the U.S. in terms of uh, stores, service centers, and all that. So that's where they have an opportunity to deliver volume. But it is the U.S. and the U.S. wants SUVs, wants pickups. So we don't expect Lucid to really take off until they have that gravity on the on the road, uh, the SUV that's coming from them. Uh, so talking about uh, financials right now, uh, Q3 revenue was at 137.8 million, down from last year's 195 million. So that's not what you want to see from a an EV startup that relies on growth. Operating loss widened to $752 million. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah. Net loss grew to $630 million. Um, now they have lost already $2 billion this year with one more quarter left. Uh, what is the cash balance? That's uh, one we need to keep an eye on. So we didn't post a cash balance on this you, one. but You know what? You know what worries me more than all of this? Is that the CEO uh, took cash instead of uh, stock. You know, stock. Uh, that to me says more than anything. Yeah, I mean, no, okay, good. we have it here. They still have five point four billion in liquidity. So, yeah, but, but they're burning it pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at six hundred million dollars a quarter, like it's it's going fast. Yeah. Uh, but they still have more probably coming from the Saudis, but how much? We don't know. Yeah, and we know the Saudis, when they get tired of something, they just disappear. And, <laughs> you know, you can say that that's again. the end of it. Yeah, I mean, five, $5 billion. I mean, if they tighten things up a little bit and they have an opportunity at least for the gravity to come, to come in and if the gravity can be a success i think they, they're gonna be fine uh but a lot relies on it so it's kind of uh the gravity is kind of a make or break uh, program for lucid yeah uh rivian rivian again another good quarter not reflected in the stock price i mean i, I haven't followed the stock price today but uh this this came out on uh on wednesday i think and then on on thursday uh, the stock was down bad, even though they had the great quarter. So I don't know what happened since then, but since it's my, up a little today, it's at fifteen forty. Fifteen forty still. I think it was at like seventeen before the earnings. It makes no yeah, sense. it was eighteen or something. So we already had, we already knew the the revenue will grow because the deliveries grew. Uh, so deliveries were up twenty four percent. So revenue revenue um, uh, was up uh, was one point three billion great revenue uh but um the, the the big thing is obviously the margin that, that we try to keep track for rivian uh so 
right here gross profit like yeah, i always need to be careful because rivian's order is weird when they put this in so uh september so june is the, the one here okay all right Revenue 1.12 for vehicles, gross profit minus 412. So that's minus 37%, negative 37% margin, which sounds bad. But, uh, oh no, sorry, September here. So 30, so yeah, I was reading the June number, sorry. Uh, um, 1.2 billion in revenue, 477 uh, million negative gross margin. So 36%. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's a much smaller um, improvement on the gross margin than it was last from the second to third quarter. Uh, that was a big jump. There was a, an improvement in production, improvement in deliveries last, last quarter. So people were hoping for a big jump uh, again this quarter, but uh, it slowed down drastically. So Riven is still losing $30,000 per vehicle delivered, but it is going in the right direction. Uh, so what we're hoping right now is that we see um, another big jump in production leading to another big improvement in gross margin. Uh, because if we keep going at this pace, uh, that was last quarter, it's going to be a bit rough. Um, some things could help. Uh, we know like uh, Rivian announced that they, they are stopping to just, just deliver their, their vans, their delivery vans to Amazon uh, and we don't have the, the details of the deal with Amazon, but the deal was made a long time ago, a long time before deliveries. And uh, and they are delivering quite a bit of them now. So it, it does have an impact. I, I'm pretty sure that the R1T and, and, and uh, R1S are, are the vast majority of uh, Rivian's revenue, uh, but the van still contributes. And the, the deal with Amazon could have been negatively affecting the gross margin if they were locked in into a certain price uh, versus what they were able to produce. So now that they are removing that exclusivity to Amazon, and I think they still need to deliver quite a bit of vans to Amazon, but they're gonna yeah, they're they're at uh, one tenth of their total order. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's nothing basically. But it was gonna hurt them if they are gonna have to deliver all those vans before they move to another um, client that they can have a new contract with that is a little bit more favorable. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are gonna be interested in those vans. So that could help um, gross margin a little bit faster than just incremental improvement uh, because Rivian cannot just keep going at that particular pace. It's, gonna, it's not going to reach its goal to being uh, uh, in the positive gross margin next year at that pace. So we're, we're still looking for some big jumps here. Yeah, and there's one other like kind of important thing that, and they, they talked about this a little bit, it it's the fact that they're running out of people who are, they're starting to burn through their pre-orders, the people mm -hmm. who ordered before deliveries and they Rivian basically jacked the price up 15, $20,000. Yeah. Uh, and so each vehicle that they're delivering, they're bringing in 15 or 20,000 more dollars. So half of the gross margin is right there. Um, they're right now it's a mix uh, rivian won't tell us like what mix of uh, yeah. cars they delivered like in q3 you, you in q3 you think it was still like a majority of uh of i don't know if it was majority it was a certain percentage I, I mean i have two friends that are still waiting for their vehicles that they ordered before the uh, price rise so i know there's people out there still waiting uh, especially on the r1s um, i think the r1t uh you know those those have been uh, fulfilled, but uh, people who ordered the R1S, which is obviously a much more popular vehicle, 
especially now with, you know, there's, there's competition, uh, you know, coming up with the Cybertruck, but also Silverado and F-150 for the R1T. But the R1S is kind of singular um, besides the Kia EV9, which, you know, doesn't really go off-road. And, uh, you know, Scout that's coming up and, you know, a Land Rover that's coming up. So um, R1S is still the kind of vehicle to beat right now. Yeah. And the the big news out of the earnings was they they, they raised their production goal, which... Is it yeah. in complete contrast to what we just discussed with Polestar and Lucid? With everybody, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there was announcement from Ford, too, and, and all that over the last few months. So, yeah, it's a big difference, but it was not enough to to convince people that uh, Rivian is on is on the up. Uh, just because, yeah. The... I mean, they're, they're more than doubling year over year. I, mm-hmm. I actually, we were thinking about writing a story like Rivian's going, you know, pretty far up and Ford and GM are, you know, cutting back and, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Stellantis is nowhere. Uh, when is Rivian becoming the, the second largest EV maker in the U S might be soon. Cause... Yeah. I mean, we could, we could plot that chart and, and, and no, uh... yeah, I mean, GM is cutting back. Ford is cutting back. Um, you know, I, I think Ford would probably still be pretty good next year, but without the bolt, GM's got nothing or almost nothing in, in numbers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Rivian's going to probably pass Ford and GM next year for Not being the number two. Man. Yeah, and, and, and Rivian's more than doubling year over year. I mean, they're they're growing faster than, you know, Tesla Tesla's ever grown, really, when you look at the numbers, you know, year over year basis. Mm-hmm. Can they continue to do that? Uncertain. But I think looking back, their decision to focus on um, a you know, the pickup and the SUV versus like Lucid doing sedans. And that was the right move. That was the right move. And Rivian, you know, their, their initial vehicle was like a sports car. So, uh, good, good pivot there, I guess. Yeah. And they were sticking with the same approach, but with like a a cheaper and a smaller size for the next generation. So that's also Mm -hmm. likely going to be a, a success. Uh, all right, uh, last piece of news before we jump into you guys' comments here, being ready for that. Uh, Volkswagen wants to launch an EV under $35,000 in the U.S. It says it's not scaling back. So obviously they have that uh, $25,000, $30,000 vehicle that is supposed to come to Europe. The uh, ID, ID Life, I think, is the name of the last time we heard about it because uh, that car had a bunch of different concepts with a bunch of different names. But... Uh, uh, they never really confirmed that car for the U.S. market. Uh, now they say that the $35,000 car is going to come to that market. They didn't say uh, which one it's going to be. Um, they say three. I mean, th- the ID3 is basically a $35,000 car, isn't it? Yeah. If uh, if it were to come to the U.S., I, I guess uh, it would be around that price. Uh, I don't know if they what's the form factor they want to go with, though. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go more like uh, EX30 or something like that, like a, kind of a competitor to that, a more like SUV-looking uh, Atch. But yeah, they are talking about three to four years uh, to make that happen, sourcing batteries locally in order to achieve that price. Uh, well, no, well, no, to achieve the sub thirty-five dollar, thirty-five thousand dollar price and add the tax credit to that to make it uh, a vehicle in the twenty thousand. Fisher, who is the uh, uh, the uh, head of strategy for uh, the VW Group in America, 
uh, said we're not scaling back plans for the U.S. Uh, for EVs in the U.S. market, uh, despite what the Ford and GM announced lately. So yeah, good good news uh, for uh, Volkswagen because uh, we know that um, the plans haven't gone exactly. Uh, Things haven't gone exactly according to plan in the U.S. for for, for the automaker, which is doing strong in Europe. But uh, uh, other than the ID.4, um, early success in the U.S., uh, they they've been affected like everybody else by the high interest rates and whatnot. So the um, there's been a bit of a slowdown in sales, but they are still looking to invest heavily into the EV space in the U.S. So good to good to know. Yeah, I, you know, for Volkswagen, I can't. For the life of me, figure out why do they don't bring unlimited amounts of uh, ID buzzes here? Yeah. I mean, a, th- a third row, uh, inexpensive uh, EV that also is you know iconic of the the microbus, like that's a perfect perfect you know combination of stuff for this market. It could be the best, you know, one of the best selling cars, you know, in the U.S. And they're just like, oh, you know, we're going to import some from Europe. We're, we don't know if it's going to do well here. But they, um, they said yeah, they're they going to build it here, though, eventually. Yeah, in, yeah. in Chattanooga, they said they would build it if it got a good reception. I'm like, huh. set it up, you know, yeah. get it, like, take take a risk, like, do, like, just use some common sense. Like, this is a perfect vehicle for the U.S. Like, half half of my dad friends are like, oh, I would love to drive that instead of my stupid mm-hmm. minivan. Like, it just seems like the perfect car. So, VW US, you know, like. Come on, and, and there's there's nothing else in this BB space. There's nothing else like it, yeah. right? So they they introduced an ID four, which is you know kind of the same thing as a Model Y, which mm-hmm. is way you know it's less expensive, has a charging network, way faster. Like like people aren't going to buy ID fours when the, the Model Y is right there and, mm-hmm. and doing so well. So yeah. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the comments section while uh, Volkswagen digest that that rent. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got some nice stuff. Hi, guys. Love the show. Peace, Calvin. Uh, all right. Question for the, the end. Fred, you've often talked about the 2025 as a major tipping point for EV adoption in the U.S. Are you sticking with that in light of recent news about some makers pulling back on EVs? No pressure, Fred. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the the, the, the economy has, uh, has had a big impact on the EV space right now in the U.S., um, so, but that, what's important to keep in mind is that, is that affecting, and keep in mind also right now, I might not, uh, <laughs> my my brain is still uh, 6 a.m. Uh, Japan time right now with two hours of sleep because it was my last night in Japan. Uh, so we did win out, but uh, so I'm going to try to make my thought as clear as possible here, but it might not flow as, uh, as it usually does. But my gut feeling is that the gist of it is still is still in place because my my point has always been no one past 2025 is going to want to buy a new car that is not all electric in their right mind um and the big thing is my my main point has always been the resale value of those vehicles you you can see the impact right like right now the resale values of EVs have been Badly affected by those price drop. You've seen companies like Hertz, uh, companies like Autonomy that rely on their value of their big EV fleet um, having a lot of issues because of, of the giant price cut that Tesla has done. So 
that has happened and has has shaken the confidence into in, into that move. But if you look just a tiny bit long term, I think everyone can see that uh, the future is definitely all electric for for the U.S. Uh, market and 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 the world's market really. Uh, so it's just hasn't completely entered into the um, in, in, into the, the the broader mainstream. Whereas uh, people know that if you buy a new car right now, your resale value, if it's not all electric, is likely going to be badly affected within a, a, a time range that is, it depends for everyone, obviously, like some people will buy a car every four years, every five years, every 10 years, it depends. But if you are buying, um, and the, a lot of the market for the new cars is that it's like on a, on a lease basis, really, so a four-year lease, things like that. That makes a big difference. If you have a four-year lease and uh, you have a buy option at the end, the value of that car after four years changes everything. And if that car is a gasoline car and the uh, new market sales in 2024 ends up being like 20% of EVs up from around 10 now, that's a trend that's going to affect your resale value. And uh, then when you buy your next one in or, or not necessarily you, because that would be like uh, within two years, but whatever. But then the other person that sees that uh, makes no sense for them to to buy anything else than the EV. Again, in their right mind, there's plenty, there's still going to be some people that just, oh, I never want an electric car, whatever reason. And um, those people are going to die out eventually. But for now, uh, it, it's still it's still something that you hear. But I'm still fairly confident that in in around 2025, so may, maybe this little economic situation might push this to into 2026 or something like that. But in 2025, it's not going to be a hundred percent EV sales in the U.S. That's impossible. But it's going to be a point where uh, this this going you're going to see a shift from people that they you, you're going to be you're going to see automakers like talking about shutting down plants that that produce ICE cars. Uh, you're going to see a, a lot of uh, shifting um, production capacity to batteries and, and to battery electric vehicles just because even though they don't have the capacity to build all new cars to be electric, people are not going to want to buy the, the gasoline option. And then what if Trump gets elected in the U.S.? I, at this point, then these these presidents <laughs> in the U.S., I don't see a difference like uh uh, there's gonna be some change in policies, like. Uh, but you, you know what? Like we have, we seen we have we've seen a, somewhat of an impact with the tax credit being renewed in the U.S. But technically, like Tesla was doing better <laughs> back when they didn't have the tax credit, and the other automakers were doing the cash credit. And Tesla is the volume in the U.S. So. It's really hard to tell if how big of a difference it does. Like obviously, again, economic situation at the same time. Maybe it countered some of that. Um, not maybe it definitely countered some of that. But by what margin? I don't know. So uh, I, I don't know how big of a difference Trump would would make on the EV market. To be honest, if anything, by the time like it was still a year away from the election, uh, I think I think we we should get back some momentum during that time. Uh, we probably going to enter some kind of recession and the the interest rates should go down uh so that should help new car sales drastically by the uh by the end of of, of next year by, by election time basically and uh 
and then the Elon is gonna get elected. Trump Trump gets elected, and he and uh, the EV space picks up, and he's gonna just take credit for it. <laughs> he's right, gonna go course. from e- electric car sucks, electric car disastrous, terrible to I invented electric cars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, the affordable Tesla from Germany is the carrot that will be withdrawn if the union makes progress with Tesla employees. Uh, I don't think that's true. I don't expect the affordable one to come from Germany in any case. I mean, uh, Dave, as a point, like we didn't really expect, like uh, we expected Shanghai, we expected Gigafactory in Mexico, but what happened? Tesla said, ah, actually, it's going to be Texas before Mexico. So that kind of makes sense with Berlin. So I think um, I think we're just seeing a trend right now of Tesla wanting to exploit more their existing factory rather than building new ones. And also, I think it makes sense for the first production capacity of that new uh, on-box production manufacturing process to be deployed where Tesla has their, their manufacturing engineering teams. And that's right now is mainly uh, mainly Shanghai, Berlin, and Texas. Yep. All right, Carl in San Diego. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Richard Bentley, vehicle degraded two-way power flow is a big issue in Australia. You have not mentioned. Now you have. And then we'll continue on. I don't really think that you should say vehicle to grid is coming with Tesla. That was probably misreported based on a single statement answering a surprise question. No commitment ever from Tesla about it. No, that's not Um, accurate, Carl. Yeah, we, we did see it in the Europe case. And then we see the NEMA, uh, 1450 outlet on the, Cybertruck. So regardless if Tesla wants yeah. people to put that electricity back in the grid, it's it's gonna like that's that's what you need to power a house. So. No, Cybertruck is confirmed as uh having vehicle to well to whatever capacity. Um mm-hmm. and then uh, it's more more than one comment from, from Tesla. The, Drew Bagnino said it several times. I know that the last time Elon chimed in and like it, it, it confused a lot of people. That's completely fair, uh, but uh, I, I don't think he was he was killing vehicle to grid at Tesla when he said that Elon. He was just it was just selling Powerwall basically, and, uh, and and I think yeah, Elon has a point with that. Like Powerwall is a better product for for that uh, than using your car. Uh, I think they are a complementary product. You can have a Powerwall and you can have uh, vehicle to grid in your car in case of natural disaster, prolonged uh, power outages and all that. Um, but yeah, it, it's confirmed. And, and our, if you remember our last report on Powerwall 3 about uh, the uh, Powerwall 3 uh, power inverter, most likely being the same as the one in the new the new vehicles. Um, I think that's, uh, well, I mean, we cannot confirm anything from that, but it, it, it does, it's a good indication, a very good indication. Yep. All right, here's here's an interesting one. Uh, being associated with Elon Musk via my car is becoming a significant burden. We have a broad spectrum of friends and extended families, and now I'm embarrassed. Oh, my God. Well, David, per- David Perrin, I have the solution for you. Go to our merch store. We're going to have a uh, bought before Elon went full Elon bumper sticker. You slap that on the back of your car. And you're free. You're, <laughs> you're fine. free as a bird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm uh, not a big fan of that thinking. Like, I mean, it's a it's a great car. Like, Elon 
didn't touch your car. <laughs> he, yeah. Yeah. He has some part in making it happen for sure. But so give him credit for that. <laughs> At least, even if you don't agree with everything else he says. I yeah. Cannot. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm on the the side of like separate the artist from the uh, from the art in that situation. Right. Yeah, I mean, and and the fact that Elon owns Twitter and and has to kind of keep you know noise coming out, uh, I think that makes it a little worse. Like, I'm sure if you know you learned everything about uh, uh, Mari Barra, you'd probably not like some things that uh, she said or did or whatever. So. Yeah, is there is there an, a, like a, an automaker you can buy from where you you like all the leadership there? All the leadership is uh, aligns with your values and your your friends' value. Like David David sounds a little bit more like he's concerned about uh, his friends' uh, his opinion that, uh, of him based on his car than actually his own feeling about the car. Um, I, well, I will say I I I like Rivian for that, but yeah, yeah Rivian is a good example. Yeah, but. That's until RJ gets all powerful and starts. Yeah, to... yeah, yeah. Give him, give him a few billion dollars, uh, <laughs> right? Cash, like, like once they're that, start, that, 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 I just we'll realized that says. that's an interesting point. Elon, like, really, really went down when, like, he was always a billionaire. Like, RJ is a billionaire now, right now. I'm sure. I don't know what his ownership of Rivian is, but I'm sure on paper is a billionaire. Uh, but Elon was always a billionaire on paper, and it really got bad when he was a billionaire cash when he had that money right. in the bag. That's where things started going downward he had money in the bank he bought twitter and then all downward from there uh all right moving on nick cedar says question seth the xc30 speckled interior plastic looks cheap on camera was it really that good in person seems like not worth the virtue signal i don't know about a virtual signal but um the interior is really nice um there's you can get a speckled or you can get the non-speckled the speckled was kind of like to indicate that like hey this is all recycled stuff so mm-hmm. I guess that's the virtue signal. Um, I think you'll, I think people will really like the uh, interior, and th- those things are starting to show up at Volvo dealers. So you can go look for yourself. Um, I, I think you know they just really hit it out of the park, inside and out on that one. Uh, clearly, it was designed in in uh, Sweden. It has very Scandinavian feel to it, the fabrics and everything. All right, uh, Mike the Car Geek says the Saudi PIF will take Lucid Private, hundred percent ownership. Fred, is that possible? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, definitely, it could be done, uh, especially with that kind of ownership they have right now. They could they could make a deal to do that happen instead of just seeing the stock price go down on, on the public market. Uh, yeah, and it's selling, uh, trading pretty low right now, so it wouldn't even yeah. be that big of a buy Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the shareholders would take a deal. Uh, David Pern's back. Unions represent a challenge to Elon Musk's status. An independent CEO would be most appreciated. Uh, it doesn't, we don't go an episode without somebody saying Elon should step down. So we can take that checkbox. And who wants the job though? Yeah. Yeah. Where Elon's the uh, biggest shareholder. Yeah. When you have Elon <laughs> looking over, over your shoulder <laughs> at all time. All right. Q is the first wish on your Christmas list. Will will be a Tesla Jack back this year? I wonder if that's a uh, plug or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, what do you expect from Fisker next week? They delayed their earnings call. Well, that's always you, a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
it's probably not going to be good. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I have, uh, like I've been saying, I've been very skeptical about Fisker since the beginning. Like, I mean, they've been... They made a few I, cars, though. Yeah, they built a few cars, but even before they even built one, there was ads everywhere to sell them. Like, and I, I'm not I'm not sure about it. And then uh, I watched the Fisker Day or whatever they, they called their, their event, and uh, just a bunch of new prototypes before they even had like two deliveries of the ocean it's uh i don't know uh, it's just getting red flaggy for me yeah all right uh, Joseph Burdick, uh question how many how many what percentage of new level three charging stations will include chatamo i see are you are you in the u.s here, joseph <laughs> yeah uh probably not a lot you might want to think about some other options at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chademo is going to have to be serviced by adapters. There's just, there's, there's no, there's or you just have to deal with level two, and it's yeah. just not going to be a, a trip car. You gotta, you're gonna have to turn it into a commuter car, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like that, that's fine. But Chademo is just going out. Um, the fact that Nissan is still selling a Chademo Leaf is almost, you know. a should be a war crime. I mean, uh, I'm in Japan you, right you now. Were, there's still there's still yeah, Chademo, Chademo everywhere, but everywhere like not they don't have that many electric cars here. But where where they have chargers, it's Chademo. And I mean, maybe we'll Japan we'll Japan ship, stuck to the Betamax. Japan stuck to the Betamax for a while too. After uh, right. after the rest of the world went to VHS, so it, they, it's it's their thing. Like they they move slow and they um they are a bit insular at times. So. If you buy a Japanese car in the U.S. with a Chademo, uh, you should know that what you're doing. It's not uh, you're not buying the the connector of the future here. Yeah, and uh, I think China's system is based off of Chademo. It's not straight Chademo, but it's like based off of it. Yeah. So there's still some remnants of that around. Uh, Carl in San Diego, the R1S might be the SUV to beat, but mainstream buyers don't trust buying a DTC. What does DTC stand for? Startup product. Orphan trucks would be a nightmare. Uh, Rivians are doing quite well, and I, yeah, I, yeah, we're too just, worried about that. Yeah, they're losing money on but direct it, consumer. They still have a lot of um, direct to consumer. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the concern more than. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I guess if the startup goes under and it was a dealership model, they would still be serviced, I guess. Uh, but I would be a concern for me too at that point. Like if, if I think the concern is more the startup in general, I would think. But yeah, I mean, Rivian is not in any uh, problem right now in terms of uh, short-term, mid-term bankruptcy or anything like that. Yeah, I think their biggest concern would be like if the market changed dramatically, if you know, if we had a like a big recession and nobody had any cash. Um, mm-hmm. They they are doing all the right things. Like the big thing that they need to do now is make a cheaper car, and they're working on that. So um, maybe now's the time to buy a Rivian stock. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It is cheap. Uh, I, I'm in there, so mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes up. All right, uh, Therese Petker, I always Uber with EVs, 9 out of 10. They are Tesla. I always ask how they like it. Every time it's cheaply built, the interior, small things breaking, then usually follows up with dealer visits for smaller things I could have fixed, $300. Only one of the past several drivers 
who bought new wish they did. So maybe it's just an Uber wear and tear issue, but it really put me off buying a Tesla. I mean, yeah. I have a completely opposite experience than, than you do. Uh, I also mostly Ubers with, with Tesla, especially since they have that deal with Hertz. And uh, I also always ask how they like it. And most of the time they're loving it. And um, especially like it's, it's the cost that they love. It's the, the like Uber drivers. I mean, they're all different. They all have different uh, schedule and, uh, and, and work rate, but a lot of them have very significant fuel costs. So when you cut that down, like that's the that's the headline normally. That's the first thing they say. It's not uh, cheaply built interior and whatnot. Uh, I don't know. It's a completely different experience. I'm not saying that she, she that I didn't I didn't get their name, but uh, they're lying. But I'm not saying that. But somehow completely cherries. Uh, completely different experience for me. All right. Uh... Getting a little late now, so we'll go quicker mm-hmm. here. Uh, what is the spec leak for the Cybertruck? You'll have to rewind a little bit, but we discussed it's that, out yeah. there. Uh, I'm still confident in my 2015 prediction that 50% of new cars will be BEV by 2025. Uh, depends on what country, probably. Yeah, uh, the US, globally. like it's not impossible, but it would require like a giant crash of uh, gas cells, which I, I think that's what we're going to see, but we'll see. All right, in the middle of America, there are very little trust for EVs. We'll see how long that takes to change, but it seems it would take many years to establish trust needed for the masses to go EV. I think you need uh, you need pickup trucks and you need NAX superchargers going to all... like Once everyone experiences superchargers, like you don't have an EV owner telling you, yeah, I mean, I'm having issues charging. I go to a charging station, it's not working and all that. Once you eliminate that, you're going to build a lot of trust. and the supercharger network uh, going to non-Tesla EVs is going to do that. All right. I don't quite understand this one question. What do you think is the tipping point for getting a new Model S to transfer supercharging? If coming from a 2014 P85 with AP1 new screens, dual inverters, and about 45,000 miles, I don't think I've ever heard of free supercharging transferring, and I don't expect to. What about you? No, no, it's it's happening. You have that until the end of the year. Free supercharging? You can you can buy a new car if you give mm-hmm. out if you give your free supercharging car you get free supercharging on your new car. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. That uh-huh. was that was surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, uh, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what they mean by their typical point of it. I mean, they say they say it's only until the end of the year, so it's not like you have an option to to wait for 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 something else. But at the same time, they say that, but they could they could do the the same promotion next year. I have no idea. So. All right. Uh, there are four rooms, interior color palettes for the EX30. One of them has the speckled panels and only available on the top trim, oddly enough. Yeah, so you're not required to get speckled panels. Uh, let's see. What are your thoughts on Honda's Prologue looking like an ICE vehicle? Is this a good strategy for the next wave of EV adopters? I'm not, does it look like an ICE vehicle? I mean... I, it looks normal. It looks like a normal SUV. So I guess in that sense, in that sense, it does. But to me, like an EV is a normal vehicle. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't know. But uh, I think it's a, it's one of the good looking ones. Uh, so 
yeah, it should it should help with EV adoption. Like people don't, there's we're, we're done with the wacky EVs now, the the wave of wacky wacky looking cars. But what was the the term that Elon used? That the weird mobiles, like we don't have any weird mobiles. mobiles. Yeah, that time is gone now. So you you're gonna have uh, a lot more EVs that just they look like regular cars. Yeah. All right, last question here. Uh, Tesla unionizing. How likely do you think it is? What's the over under? What's the time period? I, I'm I'm fifty fifty for me. Like yeah, I before that I would have been like before the UAW deals I would have been like eighty twenty. But with Elon being Elon these days and uh, UAW having big wins, uh, I think a lot of uh, Tesla workers. I'm like, all right, who do I trust now? Uh, Elon right. or UAW? Before that, I think most of them would have been Elon, but nowadays, I, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what the stock prices starts doing. Like, if it keeps that going too, down. That too, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so, yep. But would right, you trust guess... to increase the stock price? Did you trust Elon to increase the stock price? He hasn't seemed right. to care much these days. Right. All right. I guess this is the final question. What would you do? What would it take for you to buy the new Model S? That is the tipping point. I, I said it before. I'm I'm buying tomorrow. I'm buying a new Model S. If Tesla was letting me trade both my current Model S with free supercharging and my Model 3 with full self-driving and I can transfer both of them to a new Model S, then I'm doing it because then I get uh, like $25,000 worth of value just from the transfer plus whatever they give me for my cars. So that that would be like a deal of a lifetime. Other than that, like I don't I don't want whatever peanuts they want to give me for my MLS signature, um, or and for or for my Model Three. To be honest, my window is probably going to be more for my Model Three, but still, yeah, that's what it would take. Yeah, I I am also considering my Model Y uh, with full self driving. Like, I'm not I'm not going to get rid of that until full self driving is transferable. Uh, or refundable, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> but um, okay, I think I think William here is trying to say like, is it a good time to buy a Model S? Basically, I think he's trying to say. And I think the new Model the Model S has never been like uh, better and cheaper for for, for a yeah, long cheaper. time. Right now, like it's 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 fairly cheap and Pretty good uh, deal. And, and it's a great car. So if uh, if you if you feel like uh, like upgrading and you have like that supercharger deal, you have that supercharger deal available for you. It, it, it's a great deal because it's for the lifetime of the car. So if you're an AV supercharger user, like that's a, that's a big deal. If you're not though, like it's, it's it's not that big of a deal, obviously. Bring back the third row. That's the <laughs> that's the uh, all right tipping point. All right, uh, thanks everyone for listening to the show. It was a long one today. Um, if you are still listening, I appreciate you. You can give us a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe. All these things help the show tremendously. Uh, if you're listening on your podcast app, if you can give us a five-star review on Apple, that uh, takes a second to do, free to do, and it helps the show more than you think. All right, I'm going to go back to sleep because I'm flying back home tonight and I had two hours of sleep. So see you guys next week back in Canada.